please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read several Proverbs. Proverbs 19.19, a man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs 12.16, the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. Proverbs 14.17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 16.32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Keely. You may be seated. It's good to have you all here this morning. It's been just a fun morning. Enjoyed hearing all the fellowship and everybody getting together and catching up. We've been reading the Bible And we're reading the book of Proverbs. So I preached from it last week, and I got one more sermon in Proverbs. We just completed reading it. So if you're reading along in the Bible with us, we'll be reading Ecclesiastes uh, next and reading through, uh, continue reading through the wisdom literature in the scripture. And so today we're looking at Proverbs. And as you probably saw by uh, some of the scriptures, we're on the going to look at the topic of anger and being slow to anger. I kind of thought of the the movie, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. (laughs) And uh, there's the the good of anger, the bad of anger, and the ugly ugly of anger. And so we'll kind of be looking at that some through these Proverbs that we read. Uh, uh, I listened to a sermon uh, a while back, and this really stuck with me, if the good, bad, and the ugly doesn't stick with you about anger, is ugly uh, anger would be uh, blow-up anger. So blow, blow up anger. And no anger is, is not good. Uh, we, we are to have uh, anger. It's an emotion that God gave us, but how we control that. So no anger is not good. Uh, blow up anger is not good, but slow anger is good. So not no anger, not blow up anger, but slow to anger. So maybe that'll stick with you. It really stuck with me. Uh, if ever I'm getting angry, I think, what are you doing? You know, is this a good, what is, what is this emotion telling you? And uh, is it something good? Can you take it and make it something good? Or is it getting ugly? You know, are you about to, to blow up in anger? That's not good. So be slow to anger. Take it to the Lord in prayer and process it. So first let's look at some of these Proverbs that we read about blow up anger, this ugly kind of anger. Um, Proverbs 19, 19 said, A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Uh, The NIV uses for this man of great wrath a hot-tempered person. And what is this hot-tempered person 
uh, doing. If you go in and rescue uh, that situation, a lot of times what it says here, if you deliver him, if you rescue them, you'll have to do it again. Anger is one of our emotions that is probably the most like an addictive substance. And you get addicted to it, and you just do it over and over and over again. It's most uh, like a drug. And anger usually starts young. Um, it can start uh, and, and end up just building and getting worse and worse. If you rescue them, you'll have to do it again and again. It's basically saying anger does that, a hot-tempered, that type of anger, that blow-up anger is ugly and bad and tends to just get uglier and worse as time goes on. Some of the ways that people in the past have said to deal with anger is to vent your anger. Uh, I'm just letting off with some steam. We make excuses a lot of times. I'm just, uh, you know, and, and we have these little phrases, and, and for a while, sometimes, even within psychology, it seemed like it was a good thing, you know, let your anger out on something else, vent it. And more and more, what they're, they're showing is that um, even the harmless forms of venting are not an effective way, not an effective way to help you with your anger. It just doesn't work. Uh, in fact, these supposedly harmless forms of venting have been shown to increase aggressive behavior later on. So that anger just tends to build. You know, if you take it out in an aggressive way, you know, it, it tends to just build and focus on being more and more aggressive. So even with words, a lot of times we can vent our anger. I, I just need to talk it out. I need to talk about it. I need to rehash it with somebody. I need to, you know, talk on and on. And on. it turns up into a, uh, an, an unhealthy situation also. Now, they've done studies that showing that even... Uh, rehashing, talking about uh, uh, angry situations. It lowers your immune system. It's bad for your health. It can last just thinking about and rehashing an angry situation. Uh, Harvard did this study. It can leave you in a lower immune system for over six hours before you start to, your body just begins to recover from that. So uh, in a lot of ways, that isn't a good way uh, to deal with your anger, and it tends to only make things worse. Proverbs 12:16 says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. So these Proverbs are saying that in calling people with a short fuse uh, foolish, uh, they explode quickly. They don't think about things. The wise person, on the other hand, uh, ignores or shrugs off an insult. Uh, they don't let it just get to them right away. You'll see kids doing this. I see my siblings doing it. It starts at a young age. You try to find out what makes your brother or sister mad, and then you say that little thing, and it makes them mad, and you love it if you can get their goat. You know, that was one of the things we used to say. So you're, you're preying on that, you know. By that, I mean you're trying to, you know, get, get to them, get them to get all mad. And then if you have that idea that you can make them mad, then even the younger ones love that. And so I would do it at all peril as a kid. I had um, all older brothers and sisters, five older brothers. Uh, some of them had shorter fuses than others, but I'd still smart off. I'd take it, I'd get hit, I'd get punched, I'd get shoved, but I knew it made them mad, you know. And so I still felt like I had that power even as, a, as the little runt of the family. But this uh, vexation of a fool is known at once. They uh, let you know just right away 
you know, uh, what's going on. But the, the prudent ignore an insult. They are able to shrug it off. Um, so we don't need this blow-up anger really ever. It's never really seen as good in the Bible. Usually we get angry about the wrong things also, uh, like an insult, rather than the things that the Lord are, is angry about, which we will look at in a moment. And so, you know, if it's personal, if it's an insult, that's the thing that triggers that anger, right? And so a lot of times it's the wrong things that we get angry about. And uh, we less focus on the things that upset God, like, uh, you know, how the widows and orphans are treated or our own greed or our treatment of the poor or like things that hinder people from God. Uh, You know, those are the things that we will see that anger God and that even anger Jesus. But here we see this blow-up anger, even in Proverbs 14, 17, over and over again. A man of quick timber acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. So that quick temper, you will act foolishly. Most of all of us have acted the fool at one time, and you say, man, look back on it, man, was I foolish. And you know why you feel that way? Because you were. (laughs) You you, you were foolish in in that blow-up anger. Um, Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 29, 9 says, If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Here you say that to argue with a fool, a fool only rages. Uh, Angry people tend to go on rants. They don't tend to listen. They just go on and on about what they are, are mad about, and they really don't even take a pause uh, to, to listen at all. Blow up anger, short-tempered, quick to anger, short-fused, hot-tempered. Uh, Proverbs warns you that this is the foolish way of life and is not the way of wisdom. It is not the way of the wise. So we'll move into the uh, Good anger, because there, it's, the Bible doesn't say that no anger, just uh, don't have any anger. But there is a type of good anger, and that anger is not no anger. It's not blow-up anger, but it's slow to anger. And James 1, I've kind of, during Proverbs, I've told you that James is the most uh, New Testament book that's like Proverbs. It's very practical and... Uh, And so James says this about anger, exactly what Proverbs are saying. James 1, 19 through 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So here's the way to deal with your anger, slow to anger. And it goes on to say, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This blow-up anger uh, doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. Anger is... Um, explosive. It, it can be bad. It can be like dynamite. It is that emotion that can do that. It can lead to violence. It's, uh, and it doesn't, that type of anger does not accomplish uh, the, the wisdom of God, the ways of God, or the righteousness of God. But one of the Proverbs that begins to tra- transition us from that blow-up, ugly anger to a good, slow-to-anger is Proverbs 15, verse 18. So it's contrasting here real directly. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So uh, 
you know, hot-tempered blowing up anger not only destroys your own life, but it also creates havoc in all the lives around you. It stirs up strife. It'll do it anywhere on the job, you know, workplace and churches, wherever you're at. A hot-tempered man tends to stir up strife. Goes on his rants, gets everyone else riled up about those same things. It's big in our world and in our political scene today. Nobody knows how to have civil discourse anymore. But the one who's slow to anger quiets contention. And they are peacemakers. Hot-tempered people stir up strife, but uh, people that are slow to anger, it's not that they don't get get angry. This is good t- type of anger. They process things, They're, uh, and, and they, they don't uh, create strife and division. They create the opposite of that. They, they quiet contentions. They are uh, what Jesus said. They are the blessed peacemakers who are called children of God. As uh, sons of God, we should be peacemakers. Uh, these people that have learned from the Lord and from God how to be slow to anger. Proverbs 14, 29, and some of these scriptures, I'll just read them success, uh, in, in succession here. Um, Proverbs 14, 29, it's all about slow to anger. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So slow to anger is the way of wisdom, it's the way of Proverbs, it's the way of the Bible, and it's not about no anger or blow up anger, but being slow to anger. And you begin to gain some tools, you begin to read Proverbs and the Bible, and you begin to see these things that can help you. Uh, just very practically, Proverbs 15.1, I've, I've used, I think, all of my life. Uh, I don't remember when I memorized this young and used it clear back in college a lot. And Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So that peacemaker, that slow to anger person, learns how to do these things. They learn how to bring peace. They learn how to quiet contentions. Uh, but a hot-tempered person is uh, a person that stirs up strife, quick to speak, uh, quick to go, go on their rants and cause dissension and anger. But a soft answer can help uh, bring that contention down, and um, so we want to be people with a soft answer. The way of wisdom doesn't stir up anger, but it uses words to quell anger. The slow to anger... Anger people are peacemakers, and you are blessed if you are a peacemaker. So not no anger either. Uh, The Bible actually says to uh, be angry, but then it's going to explain how. And so the New Testament continues to go into this, and we read in our liturgy today from Ephesians 4, and we read about verses 25 through 32. 25 is this uh, key scripture that says, be angry. So it is saying you can be angry. You have that emotion. You can't stop that that emotion. You know, be angry. Okay, anger is hitting you. Be angry, but do not sin. So there is a way to be angry and not sin. The Bible's teaching that. Proverbs is teaching that. But there is being angry where you can very quickly get into sin. 
with, with anger. And so uh, Ephesians here is trying to teach, along with Proverbs, how to be slow to anger, what to do with your anger, and how to do it in a way that doesn't uh, lead you into sin. And the very uh, first thing to realize that through a day when these instants happen, uh, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That means anger is something that needs to be dealt with, um, you know, within that day span. You need to really realize what has happened and don't just uh, let that anger, uh, you know, sit and it can lead to other things. It can lead and, and work its way out in very unhealthy ways if we don't work on that um, anger and, and why, we, we ha- why it has come up, if we let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, doing that gives the devil an opportunity. It gives him a foothold to work in your, your life. If you don't deal with that anger, the devil's going to have an opportunity to take that anger and work it in very unhealthy, bad ways. It might come out in stealing it might come out in just being mean, don't like mean people. Uh, it might come out in corrupting talk that comes out of your mouth. It might come out um, uh, in, in ways that are um, ugly. That's why this anger becomes, becomes un- ugly if you um, are anger and you just let it sit on it. It can work its way out in bitterness. And Ephesians 4 is going on to say all this. If you read just 26 through 32, basically it's what I'm going through. Uh, these, these sins, when you sit on your anger and let's seethe on your anger and you go to sleep in your anger, you wake up in anger, it begins to build. It becomes that addictive substance where you act quicker, shorter, the fuse gets shorter and shorter and bigger and bigger. The dynamite gets bigger and bigger and it becomes very unhealthy. So what this does is it grieves the Holy Spirit. It says uh, in verse 30 of Ephesians 4, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so all of these things are, are, are grieving uh, to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 31, it says, let all bitterness. Now see what happens when you do just let the sun go down on your anger is it gets into a root, and that anger grows into bitterness, gets inside of you, you become just bitter, really, really grumpy old man, you know. Uh, I remember my son, he worked at the, uh, my youngest son David worked at the movie theater for a long time, and, you know, you're dealing with the public in and out and in and out. And, and uh, he was a people person. He sold newspapers out on the street and sit down at the, you know, from the time he was, you know, 11, 12 years old at the post office and hand out papers to everybody. Say, yeah, I saw David. I bought a paper from him, you know. And he's just talking to people and handing them the cars. They went around the post office. And, and he told me, he said, uh, he said, Dad, don't ever become one of those mean, grumpy old men, Okay. I just, man, you wouldn't believe how many of them they are. They're just mad about everything, and they just, they're just complaining about everything, and they're, you know, don't, don't ever become like that. And I was like, okay, Dave, well, that's good. Good to know. Now, you're out there, you're being seen, you know, in public, you know, your, your attitude, your demeanor. And uh, I think that um, this anger can just be in, in bitter, and you're just bitter about everything. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger and clamor and slander. You see it coming out in all these words. Uh, be put away from you, along with all malice. And so be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And coming from the Psalms uh, 4.4, uh, which is where uh, Paul is grabbing this from, from Ephesians. It's always neat to me to look into the Old Testament and see where these uh, 
teachings come from. Psalm 4, 4 says, be angry. So it's telling you the same thing. And do not sin. So Paul's quoting this. and says, ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Reach that point to where your self-talk inside uh, becomes silent, where you reach that place of peace, uh, Psalm is, is saying. Take these things to the Lord in prayer. Ponder them in your heart. Uh, not in a way where you're just talking negatively in your mind and praying negatively about how bad this person is and how bad your boss is and how bad this person is and this other person and how, you know, but you're taking your anger to the Lord in prayer and you're pondering in your own heart what God wants to do with you, not what he's, you know, what you want him to do with somebody else, but you're looking at your own anger and you're not letting the sun go down on it, Psalm 4, 4 says. You're angry, but you're not sinning. You're, you're processing it. You're pondering it in your own heart on your bed. And you're listening to the work of the Holy Spirit. And don't, don't grieve him. Don't, don't quench him. Don't quench him out. Let him speak to you. Let him deal with that. Let it come to a point of resolution to where you can forgive that person. Really? That quick? In one day? In one night? Yes. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, Teresa and I, before we got married, we did premarital counseling. We were little kids, and uh, I got married on my 21st birthday. You don't want to know how old Teresa was, but she was younger. And so we got uh, married, but we were in church, and we knew the Lord, and we wanted to get married, and everybody was against it, and we were too young. And the, one of the old mentors in our church um, great, great man, him and his wife, and he was 72 years old at the time. That was ancient to me, uh, and uh, he, he counseled us, and he did everything he could to keep us from getting married, but when he realized we were going to get married, he began to counsel us, and this is the verse he gave us, and he said, don't, he got one piece of advice, just don't go to bed angry with each other. If you have to stay up till the next day, resolve that issue what happened, because if you let it go, you may think it just went away, but it doesn't go away. It, gets, it goes into all kinds of other things. You get bitter. It's going to jump out at the socks on the floor and all these other weird things, and you're going to be angry, and you're not even going to remember where it came from, but you're just going to be snappy, and uh, it's going to affect your marriage. So that really stuck with me, that one piece of advice. Ephesians, Ephesians 4 here has stuck with me all my life. And it's been so hard uh, at times, and we have probably, I'm for sure, Teresa, here that we've failed at sometimes not doing it. But, you know, we've really, really uh, stuck with that, and so I would encourage you to do that. So it's not just for people, you know, work situations, all these other situations, but it's for a healthy family and a marriage. So if it's this bad, toxic bitterness uh, anger, we need to put it away. So, you know, Ephesians 4 is first is saying, be angry, you know, do not sin. Then it's saying, put anger, put a, anger away. And it can, you can jump to either one of those and go, anger's all bad, just put it away. Or you can put it, yeah, be angry, but do not sin. And that's what the Bible does, and that's what I've tried to show you through Proverbs in these combination of these scriptures. There's certain anger that is ugly anger, it's blow-up anger, it's not good anger, uh, but the Bible does not say no anger. It says, be angry, but the anger is slow to anger. And this is how God is. When God first revealed himself to Moses, and he said, I want to tell you and everybody through my word who I am, 
uh, when he said, I am a God full of compassion in Exodus 34, uh, verse 6, he said, and I am a God who is slow to anger. This is the thing that he used uh, to describe himself. And so the Bible all through uses that scripture over and over and over again. You can find it in, in, in just uh, numerous places all through the Bible. And when you get to Psalms, uh, of course, it's there too, Psalm 103.8. Now, the Lord is merciful and gracious. This is what God said about himself in Exodus 34. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. So this is who God is. He's abounding in steadfast love. And so we see that God, that is of his character. And so that's how we are to be. That's what Proverbs is saying. Be a wise person that is slow to anger. But yet Jesus who was the exact representation of God, he himself was a man like us, and he dealt with anger, and he showed us how uh, to deal uh, with anger. And most of us know the temple scene where uh, he drives out the the animals, and and this is one of the things that God gets angry about is people hindering people from him, from his presence, from coming to God. And, And Jesus doesn't just come in there and flip over tables and drive out people, it says that when he saw this thing, he uh, wove a whip together. He sat there and watched this, and he said, this is, I'm going to be angry, but I'm not going to sin, because we know Jesus never sinned, but he just wove that whip and said, this is not going to continue. This is the perfect anger of God, the righteous anger of God that accomplishes God's righteousness, Uh, uh, and so you know, I don't know how long that took to weave uh, that, that, that whip. And then he drove the animals out. He flipped over the money changers' tables. And he said, this is God's house. And this is a, to be a house of prayer. Good job on the prayer. Again, Rifle, this morning, don't be afraid of prayer. Don't be afraid to listen. Be praying along with Rifle and have a time of prayer in the house of God. And they remembered the word of God when he was doing that, that the zeal of God had consumed him. And so this was a good uh, example of being slow to anger. Jesus was angry about things. He was anger, angry about that, about keeping people from the presence of God. John, uh, the apostle, probably does one of the best jobs of showing Jesus' emotion. And he uses this word uh, quite a bit, but all of the gospels do, about Jesus being uh, deeply moved. Uh, it translates the Greek word, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus um, when he went to the tomb of Lazarus after Lazarus had died and he saw everybody weeping in John eleven thirty two, and then in John eleven thirty three, it says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And they have a difficult time kind of trying to interpret this word for Jesus and to apply it to Jesus. And in some Greek uh, secular writings, just using the word that is used there, it's talking about uh, a a real uh, anger. Uh, It's talking about that uh, like a horse, the imagery is like a horse snorting in anger. Like Jesus snorted in anger like this over death? And that's really the picture that is being made here when it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. You know, you know, in a sense, we're trying to tone it down, 
you know, what's happening there, but the Greek word is, is actually very strong Greek. Theologians and Greek uh, studiers of Greek, which I am not, tell me and I read, is that this word uh, is, is that this deep anger welled up within him. He saw them weeping and crying, and he saw death, and he saw the enemy of death, and he had saw what it had done to all of his creation and human creation and his friend Lazarus. And it wasn't just about his friend Lazarus. It was about death. It was about death itself, the last enemy to be put under his feet, 1 Corinthians 15 says, is death. And he was horse-snorting, angered, deeply angered, outraged about death. He is... Uh, it is an enemy. It is, he was outraged about it. So deeply, uh, Jesus is angry at death. Uh, Jesus is also outraged at unbelief. In Mark 3, 5, it says, and he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, grieved. He's grieving Jesus. He's grieving the heart of Jesus and grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he is, he's, he's angry because they are unbelieving and he says stretch out your hand and this man with the withered hand stretches out his hand and he it's restored and healed but Jesus is angered there at their unbelief unbelief uh, makes uh, Jesus anger these are all reflections of God and so especially in the area of unbelief Romans 2 5 says but because of your hard and impenitent heart so unrepentant hearts you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. There is a day of judgment coming when we will be judged for that, our hardness of heart, our unbelief. And, and so we want to have God's grace to be forgiven. Amen? And so we've blown it at different times. We've used blow-up anger. Uh, we might have a, a serious problem with that. And we might have done it a lot of times, and we're wondering, is there hope for me? And there is. There is hope, and there is forgiveness for the believer. And when, when, when God comes to uh, your heart, you need to be, have a soft heart, admit your sin, your blow-up anger, and, and pray and get down on your knees and be, humble yourself before God and resolve this issue um, and, and know that God's uh, God can still get upset with us as believers. Uh, we still can uh, grieve the Holy Spirit, but our sin, as far as our salvation goes, uh, is completely been absorbed by Christ when he died. And so Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we sin and we blow, it's not like we've lost our salvation. Now I need to pray and get, try to get saved all over again. I was so unsaved and all that. Now I need to get saved again. It's not that. It's just that we need to repent of, of, the, of the anger and how we uh, let it be expressed through us. And we need to turn to God and repent. And God will discipline us as sons. Uh, Hebrews 12, 4 through 7 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. You have not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, have you? From Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, you haven't forgotten that, have you? This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So he quotes Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, and he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he re you are reproved by him. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So if you're a believer, he has received you as his son. He will come and discipline you. Uh, He will correct you. He will, if you're humble at all before God, he will come to you and say that expression and how you blew up there was wrong. It'll be It'll be the Lord. You'll know the hand of the Lord and his correction. And he's not trying to condemn you, say you've lost your salvation. You're no longer my son. You're no longer because of this sin. And especially what we're talking about today, it can be any sin, but the sin of anger and blow up anger. Uh, He's coming to correct you because he loves you. He wants you to get over that. He wants you to find victory over it. And you will. You will. Uh, As a believer, God will not let you go. Um, He will continue to work on you and bring you to the image of his son who is slow to anger. And the gospel does this. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, died for us while we were sinners. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person... One would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, that's what Jesus did. He absorbed the anger for us towards our sin, for our blow-up anger, For all of our sins, he absorbed them in the death of his son on the cross. And much more, we are reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. He is powerfully, his perfect life, his atoning death on the cross, and his powerful resurrection life. We are saved with that new nature. That's what we prayed in liturgy today. So that that new nature, uh, forgive me for my sins, which includes the misuse of anger. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have now received reconciliation. So God's, uh, in God's anger, humanity has been handed over to death, but that's not the end of the story. God's love is even greater and greater than death itself. Paul uh, reminds us that God's own wrath was reconciled through the life of death and resurrection of Jesus. Are you all thankful for that? Woo! Amen. Instead of God hiding his face toward us, oh, you're lost, you're no good, you blew it again, he is coming to us and loving us like sons and constantly reproving us, saying, come back to me. Here's another Proverbs I've memorized a lot because I've fallen a lot in my life, and this is one of my favorites. It says, though the righteous man falls seven times, yet he will rise again. I love that. It's like it's the no give up kind of thing. Though you fall seven times, yet you will rise again. The righteous man will keep pursuing. God will keep pursuing you. God will keep conforming you to the image of his son and will not give up on you. So Jesus, in his slow to anger, in the scene that I uh, love at Lazarus' uh, tomb, he not only was indignant, Uh, outraged, uh, that deeply moved anger. But you know what he did right after that? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And his tears, seeing the the weeping along with him, uh, Isaiah says, uh, 
you know that he will um, he will well other places <laughs> he says you know we are to weep with those who weep he came so that he was bruised for iniquities I'm thinking of Isaiah 53 and he, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and he's there and he sees what death has done and he stands in, 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 in against it to defeat it and he, he himself defeats it through his own death Jesus knows he's going to defeat it and he just weeps at that time with Mary and Martha and those weeping at, at the grave and I believe that um, I was reading an article by David Mathis from Desiring God, and he said, when he was talking about Jesus weeping, he said, This day Jesus wept, but there is one day coming when he will wipe away every tear. And it's not because he's telling us to suppress our emotions or suppress our sadness. The one who wipes away our tears has shed his own tears shed his own blood to deliver us from death. He's bore our griefs and sorrows and died the death that we deserved. He has triumphed over death. Amen? That's the gospel in two words. Jesus wept. Amen? Amen. We're going to close with the song of worship, and we'll take communion together. And so there's little things in front of the seats. If you want to grab one of those. On the bottom part, if you pull it, a piece of bread will come out. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father. Yes, Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that the Word of God was made flesh, that he felt the emotions that we, we feel. He was angry and yet never sinned. He was slow to anger, and he was abundant in steadfast love. We thank you for his body that was broken for us, given for us, his body that was bruised for us and crushed for us. He absorbed, Lord God, our anger, your anger towards sin against us so that you could love us and, be, and reconcile ourselves to you, God. And we thank you for the body of Jesus. Let us partake together of the bread. And in like manner, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant, my blood, given for you for the remission of sins. And Father, we just thank you so much that Jesus gave us all his very life, his life blood. It was the perfect, atoning, substitutionary, sacrifice for all of our sins and for the sins of the world that we could be reconciled to you by your grace your simple faith in the gift of your son we receive it today and remember 
Jesus as we partake together. We remember his cleansing blood. Let's partake together. Thank you for your word, God. Instill it in our hearts. Equip us, Lord, with your word to be and look like your son Jesus to this world, to shine your light in the world, and just give us the hope of your forgiveness when we blow it, God. Help us not to have no anger. Help us not to have blow-up anger, but help us to be slow to anger, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.